Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Thanks so much for being here. I'm very grateful that you would spend your time with me. I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever had an experience, or maybe you're having it now, where you feel a sense of loss, almost like a sense of grief for something or someone who isn't dead, but it's gone, or they're gone, or the way it once was is gone? If something came to mind and you feel conflicted or strange or even struggled to identify what it is you're feeling, well, then this is the episode for you. Because today we're talking about the ambiguity. This concept, this feeling is sometimes referred to as ambiguous loss or ambiguous grief. And I'm going to do my best today to unpack it. As I've said many times, I'm not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist. My objective is just to get you to think deeper. Even though I might offer some suggestions or tips, I hope that you know this doesn't replace therapy. Like listening to the show, I hope that you find it entertaining. I really do hope that when you listen to certain episodes, they make you think a little deeper, that you can sort through some of your own thoughts. Maybe I give you the right words to express what it is you're feeling or going through. At least that's what I feel like happens based on a lot of the messages I read from you inside the pod squad or inside our Patreon group. And even though I joke that talking about these things and talking through them and doing the research is very therapeutic for me, I still have a therapist. And I just want you to know that I am not a therapist. This doesn't replace therapy. And it's one of the reasons why it was really important to me that I, I find a, a place I could recommend to you for those of you who you're toying with this idea. And maybe you've never gone in person to see a therapist but it's something you're curious about, or maybe you know you need to talk to somebody, but it needs to be super affordable and it needs to be super convenient. And that's why we went to Talkspace and asked them to be a sponsor of the show because it, it just fits with a lot of the things that I talk about. Talkspace is a place where you can have access to thousands of licensed therapists and they find therapists who are trained in specific areas, like maybe it's depression or relationships or anxiety and you can even work with a therapist if it's like just keeping yourself accountable and working towards your goals. I think you're going to be amazed at the kind of progress that you can make. But again, it's completely different when you're working with a licensed professional. So I want to encourage you, especially after listening to today's episode, if some things come up, I want to encourage you to check out Talkspace. Your mental health should be more than just like a goal or a New Year's resolution or even just a fleeting thought. Your mental health is a really important investment. And Talkspace is going to give you $100 off your first month when you go and visit them. You want to use promo code Shaleen. You don't even have to remember that. You can look at my show notes right now and you'll see that information is there. So it's Talkspace.com, promo code Shaleen for $100 off when you sign up. Or you can download their app. They've got a super simple app to use. It allows you to, once they find you or match you with a therapist, you can text them. You can send them video messages. Whatever works for you. And I love the flexibility. Just don't forget to use the code Shaleen for your $100 off when you go to talkspace.com. The inspiration for today's episode came from a conversation I was having with Brett. Like we're driving in the car and he was talking about how, how unsettling it feels that when he goes to visit his dad, who has late stage Alzheimer's, he's there, but yet he's gone. And he's like, it's just the strangest feeling. I can't put my finger on it. Some days I don't even know how to describe 
the way that it feels. Bob is not my father, but he is a father to me. He very much was a father figure. And so when Brett was kind of just, I'm getting choked up, but when Brett was describing how he felt, even though it's not the same because it's actually his father, I understand what he means. And I know that feeling and I have that feeling too. And it's not the first time I've had this feeling. So in preparation for this episode, I want to start with kind of an understanding of the terms ambiguous grief and ambiguous loss. All right. Ambiguous loss is described as a loss or grief that you feel around something where there's a significant likelihood that you will not be reaching a clear sense of closure or even a clear sense of understanding. It's the kind of loss that leaves a person searching for answers and thus it feels very complicated, confusing, and it can actually delay the healing process or it can result in just unresolved grief. And you know, when I do an episode like this, I love it when something in particular comes to mind for you. So I want to give you just a moment to pull that up, to identify an area or a person, maybe an experience or a situation that it's still around, it still exists, but for you, it's different and it's gone. And you just don't have a sense of closure. It feels very unresolved and you don't know if you ever will get resolution. So identify that. And maybe you've got a couple of them. I have a couple of them. I think probably we all do. Sometimes it is a relationship and sometimes it's a situation. Like I think about how I felt when we sold our company, Powder Blue Productions. It was my baby. I had built it for I don't know, more than like 15 or 16 years. And it was more than just like a business. In many ways, it was so tied into my life. It had become my identity. It's how people knew me. It's how I'd made so many of my friends. I think about the growth and the impact that it had on my marriage and my family and me as a person. I think about all of the people I was able to touch and to feel like we were a part of this insanely insanely fun, uplifting community. And yes, it was a business, but it was so enriching. It was so exciting and also so exhausting. So when we sold it, it was like it was gone and I was no longer a part of it. But yet all the players and all the people that had helped me to build it were moving onward with this company, which was at the time Beachbody that purchased Powder Blue Productions. And we were no longer a part of it. And it was just so confusing. Like, I didn't know how to feel. Like, because I wanted to grieve it. I wanted closure, but it was still existed. I can think of one or two friendships. I can think of at least one business relationship. And with all of these, the common theme is, I don't know what happened. It's just, it's over. And I don't know what went wrong. I don't know what happened, and I don't have words for it. So these people still exist. They're, you know, they're still out there. But what's gone is what our relationship was like. I've heard many moms describe feeling this sense of loss and grief when their children leave the home, maybe to go off to college or they get married or they just move out and they feel this deep sense of grief, like loss, 
And they can feel so conflicted because they're really happy. And this is the goal. This is the objective, much in the way it was our goal and our objective to sell Powder Blue Productions. I mean, we spent like five years reverse engineering to get our company to a place where we could sell it. And I was so excited to sell it in much the same way you might be so excited to have your kids leave the nest. But that's what's super confusing is when it happens, you feel this deep sense of loss, but the person is alive or the business still exists. It's just, it's different. So you're grieving a stage, you're grieving a former relationship. In some of these instances, closure comes later. Like maybe there's a conversation you have with that friendship that's no longer what it once was, and you actually come to understand why it changed or why they changed or or why they're no longer talking to you. But before you have that closure, before you know what it is that's going to happen or what your future looks like, your brain is left with this uncertainty. And uncertainty or ambiguity triggers the amygdala of our brain. And that's deep inside the brain's cerebral hemisphere. And this is our brain's way of protecting us. Our brain has been hardwired to take anything that's uncertain and perceive it as a threat so that we can protect ourselves, right? We are actually meant to feel anxiety and fear. And so when that anxiety and fear rises with uncertainty, the area of our brain like executive function helps us to create scenarios or plans to be able to protect ourselves. In other words, when we feel an uncertainty or ambiguity, We're supposed to feel nervous, we're supposed to feel uncomfortable, and it's supposed to make us feel out of control, and that's what we're hardwired to do. So I hope knowing that gives you a sense of peace. And I know it did for me, because I'm like, why do I feel this way? Is this something that I need to work on? Is this normal? So yes, it's very normal. This is like a chemical imbalance that happens in our mind, because our minds seek meaning. We want to understand, we want to know, we want to label. That's why... It's so common when you you meet someone, you want to know certain details and not because you want to judge them, but because your brain wants to know, like, where do I put this person? Are you married? Are you single? Do you have kids? Do you like dogs? Do you like cats? Are you a Christian? Are you a liberal? Are you a conservative? Like, we really do like to know these things, not just because we're nosy and not just because we want to judge. I mean, sometimes it's that, of course, but more often than not, it's Our brain wants to have certainty. Our brain does not like ambiguity. It's a very natural, very human response. And the reason why we crave more information or closure is because it reduces our anxiety. Ultimately, if we only have a little bit of the information, our brain's job is to fill in the missing pieces with negative details, like worst case scenario. Because that forces our brain chemicals to search for a way to protect us. So when you think about this, the way that you react, like the way that you react to a little bit of information where there's missing details and your brain on autopilot just goes to the worst case scenario, maybe you've wondered, am I a negative person? Am I a pessimist? The answer is no. You're human. And this is what human brains do. One of the most unsettling parts about having ambiguous grief is that people don't even know that you're grieving. And if you try to explain it to someone, 
it's really hard for people to understand grief, especially when that person is still alive or that concept still exists, or maybe they believe that you just need to look on the bright side. You know, for example, in preparation for this episode, I was reading a blog post by this woman who talked about this ambiguous grief, this ambiguous loss that she had and had lived with since giving her young child up for adoption when she was like 18 years old. And even though she knew the child was with this amazing family and thriving and having this incredible life, she still felt this just agonizing grief that she never felt she had the right to express and that no one would ever understand if she said she lost her child, but yet that's what it felt like for her because, well, frankly, she had lost her child. Another scenario I was reading was about when a parent or parents who experienced the loss of a child, but not due to death. So loss of a child due to a traumatic brain injury, them running away, a kidnapping, or a very significant change in their personality due to their mental health. And again, this deep sense of grief coupled with this feeling of guilt and shame for feeling the sense of loss and grief when there are other parents who've had to bury their children. And not that grief is ever supposed to be a contest, but if you have a decent sense of awareness, you're just not going to bring up the fact that you're grieving for the loss of the child you once had because they're struggling so severely with their mental health. You're not going to bring that up in front of someone who's actually buried a child. They're different. All grief is different. And all grief is real and painful. My father was in a motorcycle accident in the year 2000, the year Sierra was born. In that accident, he lost his right leg. It was amputated. He now wears a prosthetic. You would never know if you saw him. But I know that there was a significant amount of grief that he had to work through. Grief for the limb that was missing, grief for the life that he once had. And and I'm sure he struggled to put words to that feeling. But it's a loss. And when we lose something or someone that was a part of us, a part of our happiness, a part of our life, a part of our identity, a part of our body, then we have to face the uncertainty of what lays ahead of us. And as they say, anxiety is always rooted in the future, right? Like sadness and depression usually are rooted in our past, but anxiety is a feeling of uncertainty about what is to come. It's future-related. One of the studies that they did at the University of Wisconsin-Madison looked at the human brain's capacity to imagine the worst. And some people have a greater capacity to do so, and some people really struggle with even a little bit of uncertainty or you know ambiguity, hypotheticals, if you will. And the people who struggle the most are the ones who tend to come up with the most gloomy hypotheticals. In other words, their brain go into the absolute worst possible scenarios, and then they conjure up these incredible what-ifs and fixate on the worst case scenarios. And this can be true when it comes to loss. You don't know what happened and why that close friend of yours is no longer speaking to you. 
So in your mind, you will begin to fixate on the worst case scenarios. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I must have done something wrong. You'll spend hours retracing conversations and scenarios and wondering where things went awry. Or maybe you hyperfixate on them, wondering if they ever really cared about you, if the relationship was fake to begin with and they never cared about you, they were using you. And then you start questioning your own judgment of character, your own judgment of people. The human brain has the capacity to imagine the worst things that could happen. We want to figure things out. We don't want to feel pain. And that's why our brains struggle to accept questions that may never be answered. You may never know why that person no longer speaks to you. You may not get an answer as to why this particular person's personality or mental health changed so dramatically. You may never have the answers that you need, that you want, that you desire to understand what it was that changed in your marriage that resulted in your partner cheating on you. And the grief that you feel is real. The grief that you feel for the relationship that is dead. The dream that you had that's gone. The person who you thought you had married. The person you had idealized. The person you had trusted and loved. That person is is gone. But yet they're still alive. They're not dead, but the loss is real. And when things get really complicated and, and even more painful is when you experience ambiguous grief on top of the deep grief that you have for permanently losing someone, where there is, to some extent, a sense of closure, which, you know, there are many who believe there's never closure when it comes to grief, when it comes to losing someone. But for those who do lose a loved one, the loss is often compounded by additional losses. So for example, you know, when someone loses someone very close to them, they often lose some of the support that they once had. Sometimes friends struggle to know what to do. Sometimes people in your life just expect you to return to normal. And so then you begin to lose those friendships and those connections. And that's more grief. Sometimes grieving people feel that they just have outgrown or drifted away from certain friendships that they just have now put into perspective. And sometimes they form, you know, a deeper appreciation for friends that maybe they had at a distance before this loss. And they really value those connections because this person stepped forward for them since the time of their loss. You know, these are what they call grief friends. And those are really important relationships. But it doesn't cancel out the fact that this person who's grieving a loss of a family member, a loss of someone who's very important to them, that they're now also experiencing this ambiguous loss. There's this gal I follow on TikTok. I started following her When we were caring for Bob here in her home, her account on TikTok, I think is mom of, wait, mom of my mom. I should look it up. I'll look it up and I'll put a link to it in her show notes because this is a crazy story. She was caring for her grandmother. She moved in with her grandmother and her mom to help her mom care for her grandmother who was in the final stages of Alzheimer's. And in the time that she was caring for her grandmother, she suddenly realizes her mother has Alzheimer's and is declining fast. And as you know from listening to the show, oftentimes the caretaker's health takes a serious decline. And so here she was now burying her grandmother who passed 
And now she was staying in the home to care for her own mother. And this is a really young woman. She's young and beautiful and vivacious, and she's great on camera. And I just think she did such a beautiful tribute to her mother's life. And I think she brought so much awareness to caretaking. I learned so much from following her account. And she had a rough. I mean, it was not easy. I've watched so many of her TikTok stories. I think she's on Instagram too. She just did the most amazing, eloquent job, in my opinion, of, first of all, giving dignity and grace to her mother, but also shedding a light on how difficult caretaking is. She talked about how important it was to have help. You know, eventually she did have some help, but she was still her mother's primary caregiver. And in one video, I remember someone asked, how come you don't call her mom anymore or mommy? And she said, you know, because... I call her Lynn, which was her first name, because the person who I'm caring for isn't really my mom anymore. And I understood what she was talking about. What she was experiencing was ambiguous grief. She was taking care of Lynn. And of course, it was her mother, but not a mother in the sense of caring for a daughter mother. And to some extent, she was grieving her while she was alive. Well, I just checked in on her about a week ago and learned that the first week of March, Lynn passed away of a heart attack. I've been following Jacqueline. It's Jacqueline's account. Again, it's mom of my mom, but Jacqueline's a daughter. And in the last several weeks, she again has just done this beautiful, eloquent job of showing up and trying to explain her process, trying to explain what she's feeling, trying to explain the guilt that she feels, that she's almost relieved that she can breathe, that she doesn't have to spend her entire day worrying about Lynn, but also that not only is she grieving the loss of her mom, Lynn, who she was taking care of, but she's also finally allowing herself to grieve the mother that she lost to Alzheimer's many years ago, but also experiencing the ambiguous grief, the ambiguous loss of her identity, of her role. I mean, her account is called Mom of My Mom. Caretaking became her mission, her purpose her identity, her life. And even though it was incredibly hard and taxing and draining and physically exhausting, mentally exhausting, financially exhausting, it's gone. And you can see that she's grappling with that. She's trying to figure out, trying to put words to it, trying to understand what it is she feels, that sense of loss. So what do you do? How do you move through? What does the grief process look like when it's ambiguous grief? Now, as with all grief, there's no linear path. You know, you've heard people probably describe the stages of grief, but if you know anyone who's experienced grief, it's not like stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. It's like stage one, stage three, back to stage one, now stage four, back to stage two. Like it can be all over the place depending on the day, but typically the stages are described as denial anger, bargaining, sadness or depression, and then ultimately acceptance. But again, you can be in that fifth stage of acceptance and still waver back and forth between anger and denial. All of those things like grief is not linear. But the first step in moving through ambiguous loss or ambiguous grief is just understanding that there's a name for it. And that it's really normal. It's okay. It's what many of us experience. And it's how our brains work. 
Sometimes just being able to put a label to something helps you to begin to heal. And then I think the second step would be to reach out for support. You know, I did that when I could not figure out how I felt about the sale of Powder Blue. And I felt so strange talking to anyone about it. I felt guilty. I felt shame that I was sad that we had this incredible opportunity, you know, and and that the company had been sold. Like, that's what people do. They build multi-million dollar companies to sell them. But yet I was so sad. So for me, I went to grief counseling. Another thing that you want to work on is the acceptance, which is different from closure, but just accepting that it may never be the same and also accepting that you may never have the answers that you want. Accept that things are going to be different. Accept that things may never go back to the way they once were. And accept that sometimes we're just not going to have answers until we meet with God. Sometimes he's the only one that knows why any of these things are happening. The next suggestion is to get involved and to take action. I've talked about that so many times on the show. The quickest way to pull yourself out of a slump is to help others, is to reach out to others, to get involved in a cause. Sometimes people cope with a loss by connecting with an organization or with an issue or by assigning some kind of meaning to the loss that they're experiencing. And and I know that doesn't fit every scenario, but just getting some sense of higher purpose. Like there are lessons for us to learn when there is a loss. And so if in some way you can be a part of sharing that message with others, getting involved in a cause, say for example, if it's a family member who has Alzheimer's, it's it's like really understanding Alzheimer's and getting involved with Alzheimer's charities. But my last and final tip is to just be kind to yourself. People will tell you, you know, oh, you've got to look for the silver lining. And, you know, I'm the queen of positivity. I definitely have rose-colored glasses on in, in most scenarios. I believe that there is a silver lining. I do believe that in almost every situation, certainly not all situations, but in most situations, we can find some form of a silver lining, whether it's new friendships, whether it's realizing that you are a million times stronger than you thought you were. I mean, that's a positive. Every day of our lives have meaning. There's a reason why you're here today. There's a reason why you went through this. The strongest people are the people who have been through the hardest things. But don't forget, if if you're the person offering support to someone who's going through a grieving process, that's something they don't want to hear. They don't want you to point out to them that they need to look for the silver lining. They need to look for the positive. That's something that you need to know for yourself that might be helpful, but So too is kindness, you know, being gentle with yourself, giving yourself permission to grieve no matter what it is. Even if you feel like in comparison to someone else's grief, you shouldn't feel this way, but you do. So be kind to yourself as you struggle through these difficult emotions. The same way that you would be very compassionate and loving and caring and and patient with someone else who was experiencing grief, you need to be that way with yourself too. Don't ask yourself to bounce back too quickly, but don't hesitate to ask for help. Find a therapist. If you have a therapist and you've been stuck for a while or they're not helping you, you're not feeling the relief that you thought you should be feeling and you've invested time and money, (laughs) find a new therapist. 
I don't know too many people who are regularly going to a therapist who have been with the same therapist all of their lives. Kind of the same way, you know, you think about a fitness program. Like if it's not working or you've hit a plateau or you're going back to the gym, you might try a new workout. If you did therapy many years ago and you're thinking about it again today, try somebody new. You know, there's no harm in that. And again, our show sponsors today were Talkspace, super affordable way. So you can check that out again. The link to that is in our show notes. I'm just a really big fan of therapy because because I'm not a therapist and I want the best for you. And I know a lot of you listen to the show who you want like the quickest way possible to get to where you want to go. And my advice there has always been very consistent. Go to an expert. If you want to know how to build a business, go to someone who's built a bunch of businesses and let them show you how. If you want to have nice teeth, don't try to fix them yourself, go to a dentist. If you're struggling with your mental health or with a block, go to a therapist. They've been trained to do this stuff. Listen, I love you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you for subscribing. Just hit the follow button if you're listening on the Apple podcast. I'd love it if you guys wrote a review. That means the world. If you're listening on Spotify or any other app, just make sure you're subscribed. That way you will get the episodes as they come out. They show up automatically in your feed and you don't have to worry about downloading them. Don't forget to check out all the links below in our show notes. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed this show, please don't forget to make sure you are subscribed and following along. The Shaleen Show is available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and most every podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star review and tell us specifically what you enjoyed. We'd love to know. The Shaleen Show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. For Tuesdays and Thursdays, be sure to follow and subscribe to Shaleen's other podcast, Build Your Tribe, which she co-hosts with her son, Brock Johnson. It's all about business, social media, and marketing, and devoted to helping you make more money and live more life. Links to anything referenced in today's episode, as well as show sponsors and other podcasts, can be found below in our show notes. Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.